0: One day he's coming, church. One day all this will be over. There'll be no more Sunday service like this. There'll be no more testimonies of his church. There'll be no more funerals. There'll be no more sadness, no more heartache. One day, Jesus Christ, the Lord, is coming again. and We better wake up because he's not come yet. And he issues us a warning, a warning throughout Scripture. But what I want to look at today, you know, we look at God in a way of uh, everything's unconditional. And I shared at a funeral this week that the truth is everyone's not going to heaven. And we're not going to get to heaven because we knew somebody on this side because we went to a Bible school somewhere, because we signed a card, or we went to Sunday school, or we gave a large amount in an offering. The only way you're going to get to heaven is through that cross of Jesus. To bend that knee, to bow your head, to confess in faith in your heart, Lord, I'm a sinner, and without you, I will die and go into eternal darkness but through you and through the precious blood of the Lamb that you gave your life for me. Your son died on a cross for me. Lord, come into my life. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Dying he justified. There's no words. Church, I want to express to you today, uh, you know, man, I'm just, I'm full Already, I'm full and I'm back. Uh, my mind, I mean, I know I was here last Sunday, but all of me was not completely back together. I was still a little discombobulated, but man, I'm here today. God has a word on my heart that He wants me to share with you. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. A lot of you just ask how my trip went, it was unbelievable, it's phenomenal. I, I know I was there 34 years ago, but they have unearthed all kinds of, of uh, archaeological digs and found things that they had not found when I was there 34 years ago, such as Madara. They're on the Sea of Galilee, which is a Class A site. They know by archaeology that Jesus was there. It was where Mary Magdalene lived. They They know without a doubt. It's not most places are... Or like, well, it happened in this general location. But there are some places they can say it happened right here. And so, you know, when we're singing this morning, I'm standing in the tomb. I'm standing it because just over a week ago, I was standing in that tomb. I stood outside in that garden. I looked to my right and saw Calvary, and I looked to my left and saw an empty tomb. I walked through the Kidron Valley and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and went through Caiaphas' house where they beat our Savior. I walked up the roads that he carried his cross on. But my friends, all that is great to look at in history, but what are we doing here? And what are we doing now? Because I want to tell you something. This halfway weak need, pitiful excuse for Christianity that we're living does not resemble the first century church. This idea that, well, he's just a good man. I'm going to tell you something. We learned yesterday, when little four-year-olds can quote it, we better know it. Romans 3.10 says, there are none righteous, no, not one. And so today, as we look in Matthew chapter 11, we look at this context where Jesus had spent most of his three years of ministry around the Sea of Galilee, and as you look at the picture, I, I just I couldn't pick right fonts and right colors. I couldn't do it justice, but those are the ruins of Capernaum. It is an A site. There is no doubt. They when I was there thirty four years ago, there was a. 5th century synagogue that stood on the site, and they said, hey, we believe there was a synagogue close by, but this is is not the synagogue Jesus was in. Well, I got news for you. They found the one that he was in since I was there. They dug under the 5th century synagogue and found that 1st century synagogue. They found all of those ruins that you see right there, and in a moment you'll see Capernaum was a vast, sprawling uh, metropolis it was a, a very large thriving city of commerce sitting on the edge of the sea of Galilee you can't see it but at the very back of that picture is Peter's mother-in-law's house they know from the archaeology the things they found in that that was Peter's mother-in-law's house now we know some things happen around that house right well, as we look at all that, it's, man, we look we say, Jesus walked here and, and we went across the Sea of Galilee and we look up and we say, well, Jesus did this and he went across here and he walked here and he did this, he did that. But I want you to understand, we stood in the ruins of that synagogue and there in front of us was the synagogue and there behind us was the ruins of all, those are different rooms. There's places for the ritual baths that they would cleanse themselves before they went into the synagogue. And then there were homes. And then there were quarters for the Roman guard. And they were just... It's, and they haven't even touched the surface of finding all the places of Capernaum. It was an unbelievable city. But I want you to hear what I've got to say. We have seen the rise and fall of nations. Haven't we? We've seen the rise and fall of churches. We see today that there are splits not just in local churches, but in complete Christian denominations. And Satan is having his heyday with God's people. We have chosen preference over obedience. We have chosen comfort over service. But the truth is, as we look in this context, we have been warned. You see, to whom much is given, he said in Luke, from him, much will be required. To whom much is given. You see, I've got the greatest kids in the world. To whom much is given, from him, much will be required. God has so blessed me with my family and my church. And man, he's blessed me to live where I live. And he's blessed me with a job. Yes, yes. To whom much is given, much shall be required. He tells us in Matthew 11. Read with me if you will. Look in Matthew 11 verse 20. Then began he to upbraid or to chastise, to rebuke the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. There is a tri-city area there at the northwestern tip of the Sea of Galilee. You can actually, if you've never done this before, I want, to, I want you to experience something completely new today. you want to experience something completely new today? Turn to your maps. You ever had a preacher turn, tell you to turn to the maps? Go to the very back of the maps. If you start in the maps, you're going to be in the Old Testament part. Go to the last maps, and it's usually the missionary journeys of Paul, and then start flipping back until you see the days of Jesus in Palestine. You'll see that. And look, you'll see a whale-looking lake. That is the Dead Sea. And then just look straight up above it, up the Jordan River, and you'll see the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you see that, raise your hand. All right, that's enough. The rest of you can find it later. I, I'm... This is not common core religion. You just have to catch up when you can. Uh, so at the top, you like that? At the top of the Sea of Galilee, you'll see, now keep looking, you'll see Tiberias, but then above Tiberius a little ways, you'll see Capernaum, right? You'll see Bethsaida, and you'll see Chorazin. You see those three? This is the area Jesus spent the majority of his time, ministry. When you read stories of Jesus feeding 4,000, Jesus feeding 5,000, when you read stories of the storms and, and uh, in John chapter 21, that last scene where Peter jumps off the boat and he sees Jesus, when he sees Jesus walking on the shore and Jesus is cooking breakfast for him, he's cooking fish, nothing's changed. They still serve fish for breakfast over there. I just skipped it, went to the bread and the coffee. But here is where it happened. And Capernaum was the capital of these three cities. It was the place. It was like Claxton with Hagen and Daisy and Belleville, kind of, and Jesus would work in all of them, but Capernaum was the Claxton. It was kind of the, the seat of his ministry in this area. Now I want you to notice what it said once again. He rebuked them because wherein most of his mighty works were done, yet they repented not. Woe unto thee, he said, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now it only gets worse. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And listen to this especially. And you, Capernaum, you, Capernaum, you say, oh, preacher, you got two persons. I want to tell you something. Jesus looked them square in the eyes, pointed his finger. And I know I can't do that in the person of Jesus Christ, but I can According to God's word, Jesus pointed his finger and he said, You, Capernaum, just as Nathan told David, you're the man, just as Samuel told Saul, you're the man. Listen, Jesus said, You, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done even in Sodom, A place today that is synonymous with the very dregs of society. If the works had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now this message can be one of two messages towards you. It can be just a slit all four tires and go out completely flat and feel like, well, that was a waste of time and he was just mean. And, or it can be a time of saying, God, I need a new set of tires. And we can leave rejoicing that God has met with us and challenged us before his throne to repent and be everything he wants. I want to go very quickly and just ask a few questions. First of all, have we forgotten his works? Have we forgotten His words? I don't know about you, but the thing that makes me mad at myself more than anything is to doubt God for now and the future because I forgot what He did yesterday. What God has brought, has God ever brought any of you through anything? Anybody here ever been cured from cancer? Anybody ever had a bad situation with diabetes or with Blood pressure, anything, and God got you through it? Heart attacks? I mean, listen. Have we forgotten his works? Capernaum did. Bethsaida did. Corazon did. First of all, we've got to remember what he did. Has Jesus ever done anything? We sang it today. And I mean they sang it. Philip and Lauren broke it down. Listen, living, dying, buried, risen again. Have we forgotten what Jesus did for us? That it wasn't just the cross, it wasn't just the tomb, it was God on His throne leaving all of His glory to be made like us and to carry the weight of hungering and thirsting and to be mocked and to be scourged, to be crucified because of us. Can we remember for a moment Do you realize, if you read, I love the start of Matthew, don't you? I mean, the the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, all that. This is where it happened. I stood there and looked out a window at that hill where he preached on the Mount of Beatitudes and see the place where he fed thousands. Historically, half of the miracles recorded in Matthew 8 and 9 happened in that city you just saw a picture of. Half of them. Wonder what would happen. Y'all ever remember, I love to hear John talk about the old lay-led revivals. I remember the revivals growing up. And I'm going to tell you, revivals still work, church. You just got to get people to come. And I'm not talking about lost people. Lost people come. I'm talking about getting church people there. And when church people come, they'll bring their lost friends. But we're too busy with every single thing else. And I'm going to tell you, if we don't stop and remember what God did for us, the curse is coming. I stood and looked at this city, and all I could think of is nobody lives here anymore. Nobody. There's a monastery that kind of sits off to the side. Just because, you see, whatever site they found, whether it's an A site or a B site, way back thousand years ago or more, when the Roman Catholics and the Crusaders and stuff came through, if they said through oral tradition or whatever, Jesus did something right here, or Mary did something, or John or Peter, then they just built a church over the top of it. And now you have to pay to get into most of those places. And so, it's all about just this Hollywood mentality of it. But I was saved in a revival. Any of you ever saved in a Bible school? Anybody in this room saved through vacation Bible school? Amen. Mike Wise. You see, there's several. And see, our, our directors already went For national training, and I'm going to tell you something, either get on the boat or get left because we're going to blow it out this year. Am I right, sister? Big amen right there. We're going to have cranes sitting out. We're going to have all kind of construction equipment. All that is going to be off the chain good. We've got to remember what happened. They forgot half the miracles. Listen, think about this. The reason we know it was a large city, one of the reasons, not just because of the the digs that they have already conducted, but because of... You remember a guy that was called the centurion? We really don't have his name here, but said that his servant was sick and the centurion, which was a Roman soldier. and, And how much is a century? All right. And if he was a centurion, then he was, uh, uh, there was a hundred captains over a hundred soldiers. So we believe there was at least a thousand, possibly 10,000 Roman soldiers, just Roman soldiers for this area. Now, if Tiberius and Caesar, all these felt the need to have so many soldiers in this one very pivotal place, you know, there had to be much more. It wasn't just an army encampment. There were people everywhere. But we see the centurion's servant healed in this place. Jesus said, no greater faith. Peter's mother-in-law, who had been very ill, Jesus raised her up. But then, have we forgotten that he can? Do we have faith? I'm not talking about shallow, we can kind of see, we just see it a little far off. No, I'm talking about can't see a thing. I'm talking about complete whiteout conditions. I'm talking about fog so thick in our life that we cannot begin to even see the next moment. But we believe he can. Because Capernaum saw Christ do it and they forgot. Has he ever done anything for your business? Have you ever been in a place where you thought, we're never going to make it? We're not going to be able to pay the taxes. We're not going to be able to meet our needs. Has he ever done anything for your marriage? It says, we cannot stay married another day, another week. I can't stand her. She can't stand me. Has he ever done anything where you thought, Lord, my kids, I can't do anything else, but God swept in and did it. Have we forgotten what God can do? Have faith. He can. Amen. I'm a testimony of faithful prayer of my grandmother and my parents and my other family members when I was the prodigal going into a far country and they prayed, Oh God, don't let go. And that Wednesday night when I walked the aisle and I was crying and weeping and moaning, listen, that ain't nothing new for me. I've been doing it a long time. I just thought, man, when God squeezed my heart, stuff comes out, and it's usually my eyes. And I just got booed. God's, God's called me preach. Everybody's like, oh, okay, that's great, man." I'm like, "Really?" I thought y'all'd be a little more excited. Everybody in the room knew God's calling my life. They had seen it. They had seen the rebellion I was in. They had seen me run as hard as I could from God. And they said, I didn't know exactly what God was calling, but we knew he was calling you to something because nobody runs that hard against the will of God unless God's got his hand on. Have faith, he can. I love it when people say, Preacher, I can't stand up and talk in front of anybody else. Have you ever listened to me talk? I mean, really listen? I can't stand to listen to myself. It's terrible. People said, you have terrible grammar. I know. Isn't it a shame? I mean, you give them books and send them to school and they turn out like this. It's terrible, I know, and I've tried to be better. I've tried to be better. But can I tell you? We sat in the lobby of a hotel and the airport and other places, and people would hear our accent. And the first thing they think, are you from Texas? I said, oh, heavens no. Where all the reprobates live. No, we're from God's country. It's called Georgia. And then they say, the country or the state? Oh, no, the state. Uh, You know, we do not speak a Cyrillic language. We speak very broken English. God can take an old, old country boy from Powder Springs, put a call on his life, and send him to a church he would never heard of or city he would never been in, and allow him to preach the gospel. I want you to know, I was blown away yesterday when I left this place. Joey, Andrew, I shared with you last night, Joey. I got to do the first devotion. I got to. I didn't have to. It was my privilege. And I was able to present the gospel to roughly 200 people. I got to present the gospel Friday to a a group of mourners at a newborn baby's funeral. And I got to tell them, I know that baby's in the arms of the Lord, and I know that I'm going, but I don't know anybody else, and don't think you're going to go there just because you have some good feelings. I had the privilege of preaching and presenting the gospel now to over three, 400 people just this week. Listen, and my story is going to remain, he can. You say, he can do what? Exactly. He can. I am said I can. But then trust. Have we forgotten to trust him? Trust is hard, isn't it? You know what's bad is when somebody betrays your trust. And I tell people all the time in marital counseling, don't expect them to just start trusting you overnight. It's going to take a while to build that trust back. But here's the deal. Jesus has never betrayed our trust. Never. Not once. Ever. There's never been a time where he said, eh, psych. He's never said, oh man, I forgot. I'm sorry I let you. You know, people let you down not even mean to. Jesus has never once let you down. If you're saved, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even when you really don't want me around that much, I'm still going to be there. Listen, do we trust that he will? He, listen, the crippled man on the roof, four guys believed that he can and that he would, and they ripped the roof off of Peter's mother in law house, that same house. You know why? Because in Mark 2, it said Jesus was in the house. You want to see things happen at east side? Let the word get out. Jesus is in the house. Great and mighty things. Night to shine. Basketball. Easter. Vacation Bible school. Men's wild game. Women's ministry. Whatever it may be. Choir, y'all killed it this morning. Man, that was good. Listen, when Jesus is in the house, great and mighty things will happen. You'll say... I'm going to Guatemala and not realize it until you hear your own words. You're going. Because God stirs your heart. And I know I've used Glenda as an example. But all of us that went, went the first time somewhere. It just happened to be her first time. I remember telling Becky, we're going to Jamaica. She said, you got a mouse in your pocket? I said, no, we're going. She said, who's going to keep the kids? I said, no. We're going to Jamaica. She said, our children are three and five. I'm not taking them to Jamaica. We have pictures. Ethan was as toe-headed a three-year-old you've ever seen. I mean, it looked like just gold from Solomon's temple. It was so gold. And fair Complete. I mean, he'd carry a good tan, but you know, And we've got a picture of him in his VBS class with about 30 Jamaicans and Ethan. And he looked like a little cotton ball in a big old pile of coal. And I want you to know, three and five, they still talk about that trip today. It put a yearning in my children's hearts, especially my daughter, about going on mission. She wants to reach the world. I, I don't know that she's ever been as mad at me as when I went to Ukraine and wouldn't let her go. I'd watch too many transporter movies. It was the first time I'd went and all that kind of stuff. I said, I, I'm going into gypsy villages. I'm going to the Autobahn. I'm going into Ukraine, baby. You're not going on this one. And she stayed mad at me for a month. Because you see, her faith was, well, he will. He can. God do whatever... Jesus right off the shore of Capernaum rebuked the storms in their life. That storm on the boat, oh, we're going to die. Dude, how many times do I have to show y'all I am God? They didn't trust. I want you to understand. We must not forget His works. To whom much is given from Him much will be required. Have we ignored His Word? Have we ignored His Word? It tells us in verse 20, He began to rebuke and upbraid the cities wherein most of His mighty works were done because they repented not. You know what happened? They ignored what He had to say. It was in this city where Jesus spoke the Beatitudes. It was on the the edge of this city, but it was in unincorporated Capernaum where Jesus delivered his sermon on the mount. He told us all that truth that we hang our hat and our faith on in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We see great depth. We, We hear, blessed art thou, blessed art thou, blessed Blessed are the peacekeepers. Blessed are the meek. Blessed. That's where he spoke it. Right here. Y'all ever remember God really speaking clear to your heart at Eastside? Why do we think God can't do it again? Have we ignored his word? Do we hear him anymore? Do we hear God speaking to us anymore? They sat and heard him speak the Beatitudes. Do we hear him? Listen, it was words of encouragement. How, how, we ought to all be encouraging. Many are, y'all are so encouraging to me. But think, when Jesus spoke the Beatitudes, he was encouraging them. Blessed, blessed. I I like feeling blessed, don't you? But now you've got to look in depth at those Beatitudes. Many of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who suffer, who are persecuted, A lot of that blessed is blessed from him, not blessed on this side. But he says, no matter what, if you're serving me, you're blessed. It's words of encouragement. Do we believe him? Words of instruction. We tell our kids, do this, do this, do this, do this. But are we realizing and putting ourselves under the authority of our Heavenly Father and doing what he tells us to do? Some of you sitting here tonight or this morning, See, i may maybe not completely back. This morning you're fighting it, man, like a baby fight to sleep. You're fighting serving at night to shine. You're fighting saying, yes, I'll, I'll work in Bible school. You are fighting serving in basketball. You're fighting going to Guatemala. You're fighting it, fighting it, fighting It, it is time to turn loose. Hear what he says in encouragement, but listen to the instruction and believe He is, and that He is a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him. There's nothing more rewarding than to see someone get instruction and follow it, and God bless them. There are Sunday school classes that need assistant teachers, that you can come in you don't even have to take the class over. You can come in and be mentored through the leader so that we can grow. That's the only way we'll grow is we have new Sunday school units. I've said our college ministry needs help. Needs you. I need you. They need you. Do we believe enough to listen? Do we not point at somebody else? Not think of somebody, oh, if they'd been here this morning, they'd have told. Do we follow him? This is enlistment. Put your ni- name on the list. Sign up. Give your $100 deposit. Write Guatemala across the bo- bottom of it. You don't even have to write mission if that just rattles you. Just write $100 and write Guatemala across the bottom. Matter of fact, just write G-U-A-T, and we're going to take it as your deposit to go with us. If it's hard for you to say it out loud, just write G-U-A-T. We'll know what, what you mean, and we'll get you on the list to go and serve. Follow him. Where he leads, I will follow. See, that's it. But then, will we refuse to be his witness? Just like Jericho. Now, we didn't go into the city of Jericho this time I'd went before. Great things happened in Jericho, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and wee little man was he. He climbed up in us. That's as far as I'm going to go because I'm going to forget it. It was in Jericho. Let's go way back. Jericho is where the spies came. We looked and we could stand on the pinnacle we were on and see where the spies left the city and where Rahab sent them through a valley so the shepherds who would be up on the hills... Wouldn't see them and protected those spies. We looked above Jericho and saw where the Hebrew children crossed the Jordan behind Joshua when they came in for the first time to the promised land. But you know, we see a great, great victory. How many times did they march around Jericho? Don't say it real quick, think about it. How many times? Say it. How many times? Mary, you're 13. Everybody says, seven times. we listen to music, not read the Word of God. They marched around once every day for six days. But on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times, 13 times. But that last time, whoo! man, it jumped. I stood up on that hill and I could only I looked down on that city and thought man, imagine the sound as those walls came tumbling down. And that sound reverberated up through those valleys. There were people that could have been 50, 100 miles away thought, what in the world is happening? It's an earthquake! As the walls came tumbling down and God gave his children victory. Jericho was a great, great place of great works. The Lord did great and mighty things there just like Capernaum. But you know what else these cities have in common? He cursed them both. He cursed them both. Well, we refuse to be His witness. You see, their rejection brought destruction. You saw the picture. That's what Capernaum looks like today. What will will be our story in not 2,000 years? What will it be in 20 years? There are churches today that 20 years ago were flagships of their associations, their counties, their states that are a shell if they're even open. Why? Because somewhere along the way they took their eyes off the Lord. There are families that you thought, man, that is the most godly family. That it's just like Satan dropped a bomb in it. And they don't go to church anymore. They don't serve. Preachers have quit the ministry. All kinds of things. The rejection brought destruction. Their shallowness brought emptiness. They just wanted to see tricks. You know, I'm all for... Listen, I like to say we ambush people with the gospel. If it takes frog legs or Captain America, as long as we present the clear and concise gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we don't follow up and we don't stay with them and show them the reality of who Jesus is, then all they're going to come for is a show. And at Eastside, we got to be more than the show. Y'all with me? It's not just about Tim Tebow. It's not about having this place decorated. It's about loving on people. It's about loving them in the name of Jesus Christ. Showing these families that we love the Lord and we love them. If not, it's just a show. It's just a show. Are you empty today? Because your faith is so shallow you'll come to church if there's absolutely positively nothing else more important to do nowhere to go no ball game no vacation i think we're in, in a lot of ways america's very blessed economically right now we've saw our church you know we just voted in the largest budget we've had since i've been here we've seen god do great things we have moved $50,000 that was unrestricted into our building fund. We have a, a, almost $110,000 in the building fund right now and we're not even technically in a campaign yet. But I want you to understand something. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Listen, Satan don't work on you as much in the hard times as he does in the good times. We we sometimes we get we get comfortable. What do we say? I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. You know what comfortable is? Doing nothing for God. We take more vacations, we spend and, and the thing is, we plan our life around Sunday being an off day from work rather than an on day for Jesus. That's just a fact. We quit having Sunday school bars, you know. I've I've got a 35-year bar. But it kind of stopped right there. And we don't really do them anymore because you don't have people that teach the same Sunday school class for 40 and 50 years like they used to. There's some. I won't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But we've ushered in a new, shallow, seeker-sensitive... Listen... Compromise. We've compromised our faith with compromised biblical principles and called it progress. Shallowness, not progress. And then their complacency brought desolation. He said, Capernaum the city that's been exalted unto heaven, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh, raised people from the dead, healed the sick, caused the blind to see, made the lame to walk, you'll be brought down to hell. Because if the mighty works which had been done in in you had been done even in Sodom, that reprobate city, it would have remained unto this day. Matthew 13, 58 said it this way about Nazareth, the home city of Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, took back to Nazareth, heard about Herod killing all the babies. They went to Egypt for a couple years, but when they came home, he was called Jesus of Nazareth. That was his hometown. This is what Jesus said about Nazareth. And he did not... Many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If he did this in Nazareth, his hometown, what will happen to us if we neglect so great salvation? And he did not. Many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Church, We've been warned. We've been warned. As they come to the instruments without hesitation, we can either be thriving and alive with the sound of children playing. We can see things going up. We can see newness. Or we can look like that. Just a shell of what we once were. We can be just a ruined place where we talk about the good old days. I don't know about you, but I want to still talk about the good new days. The days that are coming where we see dozens of children trust Jesus through vacation Bible school where the baptismal waters are continually stirred. and People like this week, parents come and say, Pastor, our child wants to talk to you. About salvation. Where a grown adult says, I want to get my baptism right and be part of the church. All that happened this week. I'm telling you, I'm about ready to shout. If you are ready for that joy, if you're ready for victory, if you're ready to be set free, you come and say, God, I don't want to be Capernaum. I want to be alive. I want to see you work in my life, in my church's life, in my family's life. I want to win people to Jesus. I want to do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I need to be saved. I need to be baptized. I need to join this church. God, I've put it off long enough. I need to go on mission. I need to work in in, in Night to Shine. I need to be actively engaged in small groups, being instructed by your word so that I don't forget what you've done in my life. You've been warned. Stand and come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come and pray, church. Let Him change your life. Change your family.